One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and a couple of months ago, actually, while I was still in book hell, I saw something come across my digital transom about an anthology of uh, trans erotica called Nerve Endings, A New Trans Erotic. And that idea, a new trans erotic, what is it? transerotic what's new about this transerotic I was like I just I just have to know everything more about this but I don't have time right now because I'm writing a book so as soon as I finished I called up the editor Toby Hillmeyer who is a trans activist and organizer and also the editor of this fine book to see if she would talk to us all about the new transerotic Toby thanks for coming on on Screwed yeah, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here and obviously really eager to dive in. But as you know, it is tradition here to start with a lightning round of questions. So I'm ready. We got to loosen you up a little. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's been making you the happiest this week? Oh, the happiest this week, I would say, is video games. I've been playing Overwatch and my favorite thing about that is that there's a wide range of different character types that do different things and have different skill levels so that, like, you don't have to be uh, a super hand-eye coordinated person all the time to be able to play it. Ooh, that sounds like a game for me. <laughs> <laughs> is that a PC game, a console game? It's it's on console and PC. Got it. I will check it out. All right. What is the best sex advice you ever received? I think the best sex advice I ever received was to kind of let go of expectations and don't feel like you have to be impressive and to instead just kind of be open and honest about where you are and that awkwardness is hot. Awkwardness can totally be hot <laughs> because yeah. authenticity is hot. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I love it. What has been making you the maddest or saddest in sexuality related news lately? Uh, I think the thing that's definitely been capturing most of my attention has been the anti-trans legislation that's happening around the country. Mm -hmm. In my home state of Washington, we're facing a, a ballot initiative, I-1552, which would make it legal for businesses to discriminate and it would require schools to discriminate and schools that don't discriminate could be sued by their students um, for money. 
Wait, what? And yeah. So basically, it would it would say that um, for every time you encounter a trans student in the bathroom, you can sue your school to get $2,500 per incident of being in the bathroom with a trans student. Wait, are, are trans students just not supposed to pee at all? Um, no, no, they, they're, they're, uh, not, not any bathroom. I should clarify. Oh, I see. In the, the, bathroom, the bathroom that they identify with. That they identify as. Yeah. That, that they live their life as. That's, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I've lost the power of speech momentarily. <laughs> That's extraordinarily yeah. cruel. I, I didn't know that you could be more cruel than North Carolina. That's what actually North Carolina did. It's this is based off of HB two. I didn't know you could sue for money under HB two. Yeah. Oh my god. Why are people so fucking mean? You know, either this is laughing at the tragedy or it's looking on the bright side. But I think about if I was a teenager again in high school going through all of this, like I would take advantage of it because everyone would want to be my friend because every time they went to the bathroom with me, we could split it and get $1,250 each. <laughs> oh my God, that's genius. And I'm sure there would be some realistic consequences. You might get expelled. Right. But if you can, like, you know, get 20, 30 of your friends to use the bathroom with you all in one day, then you can make enough to go to private school. You are a bloody genius. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. What is the biggest sex myth that you once believed but don't believe anymore? Mm. You know, I'm going to have to go reel back on this. The biggest sex myth I once believed is that sex needs to be 100% safe. I remember in like my, my sex ed, there was a big emphasis on like abstinence is the only 100% safe method. And then I realized like there are some STIs that you can get without having sex. So like even abstinence isn't 100% safe. Well, and also what are we talking about as safe? Like maybe it's not, yeah. maybe you're sustaining emotional damage by being abstinent. And so, yeah, there was a time in my life where I would like pile on safety mechanism after safety mechanism. And I actually I ran the numbers and I realized I, I would have like one contraceptive failure every 20,000 years. <laughs> and I kind of realized, you know, that is plenty safe. Like if, if it's like a risk of once every 10,000, 8,000 years, that's plenty safe. Like, you know, 20,000 is kind of like all of recorded history. And then some. And how safe am I every time I drive to school, drive to work? Everyone has their own risk tolerance. And it's not like a moral failing to choose something that is higher risk. It's just that you have like a different criteria for making decisions. Yeah. The wildest part of it to me is to think if you make out with someone who has strep throat, but they didn't know it and you get strep throat, no one's going to say oh, you're a terrible person, and I don't know if I'm going to trust having you in my life. Right. I don't trust your judgment anymore. Yeah. And, you know, like, if you make out with someone who has oral gonorrhea, like, it's the exact same thing. You know, the treatment is the same. The course of treatment is the same. Like, the, the risks are pretty similar. I did not know that about oral gonorrhea. Uh, last question. Who's one of the bravest people that you can think of who's working in some way to unscrew the sexual culture? 
I would say Susie Q, who runs the Whorecast and is also working. Oh, I can't remember. It's the place that Susie Q works is is kind of like the the voice of the adult industry in legal legislative terms. Yeah, I think that's the Free Speech Coalition. Yeah, and what she's been doing is kind of like taking a, a major organizing position against some of the the laws that are kind of framed like pro-condom laws, but they do so many other things that are really terrible in the porn industry. And so like, for example, it would make it so that if anybody watching your porn thinks they saw a moment when you weren't wearing a condom, then they can sue you personally. And before you even have the opportunity to throw the case out, if it's completely ridiculous, they get a copy of your legal name and home address because that's a part of the legal proceedings. Uh. That's just one of the several things that the law would have done. And Susie took a major leadership role in pushing back against that and making sure it didn't pass. And then she's also just been doing a lot of work for sex worker rights and sex worker community, really bravely putting herself out there in a way that has the potential for blowback, but really needs to be addressed. And there needs to be a place where sex workers can tell our stories. And the Whorecast is a really awesome podcast that does that. Amazing. Thank you. You survived the lightning round. I hope it wasn't too painful. (laughs) Not at all. I want to start by sort of diving into my big question, which is, you called your anthology Nerve Endings a new trans erotic. And so I want to ask you all about what that means. But it makes me also wonder what the old trans erotic was. Ah, yeah. So, you know, I've been delving in the world of the erotic for a while. I kind of think some of my first creative endeavors that I really put out there was um, written erotica. And, you know, the story I love to share is I I wrote a story that I kind of decided I'm not going to explain any of the things that are just basic parts of my life. If someone doesn't understand the details of what it means to be trans, they can pick it up from context or maybe they can't and it's not for them. I don't care. I just want to write this mostly for me and share it with a few people. But when I started sharing it with more and more people, I got some really great feedback and some folks said, you know what, I I learned more from your porn than from a trans 101. And that made me realize that there's some serious potential for doing something with this Anytime you're dealing with stories, the main characters people are automatically going to empathize with. And bigotry in general is a failure to empathize. Mm -hmm. And so being able to give people the chance to like put themselves in my shoes more or less can be really impactful. And so like the old trans erotic, there's a couple of things. And one piece is the kind of the mainstream porn dynamic, like forced feminization. They might frame being trans as something that is embarrassing and humiliating, but erotic and fun. They might frame trans people and trans women in particular as like hypersexual and always sexually available and not really having much interests or needs beyond just being available for other people for sex. And so 
I was trying to do something a little different. I found that when you write a story about imperfect people who drop the bottle of lube or, you know, awkwardly do something that doesn't quite work out and they have to like stop or or get triggered and need to like talk about it in the middle of a scene and then figure out what to do and how to move forward like people can really connect with that in a totally different way and so with this anthology I framed it as stories of trans experiences about sex sexuality and relationships and that it doesn't necessarily have to be masturbation material yeah, it really struck me how different the anthology is and the stories in it are from the average sort of even feminist stroke book, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, there's a story about a trans woman raising a kid in a zombie apocalypse and trying to find time for relationships amongst all of that. There's a story where someone in the very end decides not to have sex, and yet the whole story is about what sex that she might have or might choose to have and decides to go home and masturbate. There's also some that are really, really hot and dive straight into the sex and that's most of what the story is but like even those have kind of a depth to what's going on and what the sex means to the people involved in it i just found them really profoundly complex but i also then sometimes wondered like like there were moments where i wished that the trans erotic didn't have to involve this much pain right mm. like, <laughs> you know there's like a lot of pain in some of these stories being in the trans community and doing sexuality work, I hear a lot of pain. What I wanted to make space for is holding that pain and also the healing. A lot of the stories deal with managing dysphoria or navigating around past trauma. You know, clearly pain is a significant part of what's going on, but it's still hopeful and optimistic. Having this pain doesn't mean you're broken. Having this pain doesn't mean you're unlovable. You're still lovable and worthy and like there are people out there for you. I didn't start from thinking what is an erotica anthology and let's make it trans, but like what is trans literature and let's make it erotic. Was that a slightly subversive like impulse? Like if this is on the erotica shelf, like people will pick it up and be like, woohoo. And then you get all that complexity and under the, under the radar. Um, that certainly could be an outcome, but mostly it's just erotica is my craft. It's a very meaningful area to me to address transphobia and transmisogyny that a lot of the stereotypes and justifications for the mistreatment and persecution of trans people come from sexuality. And so like there's the idea that trans people are deceptive, trying to deceive people into having sex with us and, you know, manipulative and dangerous. There's like a decade or two of media that depicts trans people as serial killers and and it's it's all sexualized and so to me putting something out into the world that is trans people's sexuality that can compete with those narratives is a really meaningful act both in how it can shift people's perspectives of trans people but i think 
more importantly even how it can shift the internalized messages that we have about ourselves. One of the things that I've heard a dozen times from different people who've like not even picked this up from other people but kind of have come to this conclusion on their own just from what's going on in the world is being in a point of your transition where you kind of go through the list of straight men, straight women, gay men, and lesbians, and you're, you're like, well, these people are attracted to my gender, but not my body. And so they wouldn't be interested in me. And these people are attracted to my body and not my gender. So they wouldn't be attracted to me. Or if they were, I wouldn't enjoy that. Mm. And coming to the conclusion of like, I guess there's no one, there's no one who would possibly be interested in me. And you know, the first point about that is bi people do exist. Um, <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> but but also that like, you know, you don't have to be bi to fall for a trans person. That's not how the world works. And to be able to like show examples where trans people are loved and accepted and and even just like that that it's possible to have a relationship period can be really meaningful after i released my film doing it ourselves the trans women porn project i did a screening and there was someone who who wrote me the day afterward and wrote like this extensive like three page email which essentially she was talking about how she had delayed transitioning for 15 years because she thought it would be impossible to be trans and have a healthy sex life. <sighs> she thought that transitioning would mean that she would either be treated like a sex object by everyone or she would be celibate. And eventually she decided that transitioning would be worth it, even if it meant she would have to be celibate. And then she wrote me that she had this like world changing moment of watching my film and realizing that it was possible to have a healthy sexuality and be trans. And just knowing that that's possible can radically change your life. Well, I know from my own life, like knowing that it's possible to have sex partners who see you and and meet you where you are and, and treat you like a full three-dimensional human being, like knowing that you can expect more from sex and sex partners means you also just like put up with so much less shit, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Th that thinking you have to be desperate for and grateful for any any kind of attention you might get, it can leave you pretty vulnerable. Yeah, you know, I've had people tell me that my work gave them the courage to leave an abusive relationship. I've had people tell me that my work kept them alive during a time that they had a lot of suicidal ideation. And so people often think about sexuality as like this you know, fun, dirty thing on the side. But the reason why I choose to, to work in the realm of sexuality and the realm of the erotic is because it's very serious for me. And I, I see how much of an impact it can have on people's lives. Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. What has it done for your life? How has it changed your life to, to do this work? Oh, it has been 
incredible to shift to a place where I have like a meaningful, fulfilling sex life. And it's not perfect. I don't want to like spread the mythology that like experts are sex gods and goddesses. Oh God, please. Yes. Do everything <laughs> I agree. and never yeah. have problems, right? So like yeah. like right up front I'm going to say like I have problems. I still talk to my therapist about them and stuff like that. But just like being able to know what I want and how to pursue it and finding people to share that with kind of feel like it's a major anti-anxiety and anti-depression treatment. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I have a friend who I will not name for reasons that will become obvious who when I told her that I was having you on the show was like oh I have an essay in that anthology but it's under a pseudonym Uh. and it made me wonder was that common are there a lot of pseudonyms in there and sort of it's one thing to write this stuff and it's another thing to put your name on it and and sort of what are the specific politics of that you know when it comes to writing trans stories that's an interesting question. I honestly don't know because I asked people for the name that they want to be listed as. And then at some point in the process, people needed to sign a contract and needed their legal name for that. But I never really quite specified, like, give me the name you want to be credited as and also give me the preferred name that you use in your personal life. So it's definitely most of the the names people are using are the names that they're using elsewhere that they're building a reputation as now are they building a reputation as an erotica writer and then having a completely different name for everything else i'm not sure got it i just wondered about i mean you talk a little in the introduction to the anthology about respectability politics that a lot of times the response to sexualization of trans people and especially sort of like treating trans people as predators because of sexuality and that sort of really negative fetishization whole set of ideas that are in the culture that a lot of times I think that trans folks don't feel like they can talk about being sexual at all because they don't want to play into that idea. And if there's like an extra layer of stigma to publishing an erotic story, if you're trans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so here's the thing that most people don't know, but is really important. There's about a half century of history of concrete 
punishments for trans people who have a public sexuality. And by that, I mean the medical system that's been set up to help connect people to trans-related medical care. It started with a very strict like gatekeeping system. In the very beginning, the places that would provide access to hormones and surgery bragged about how they would turn away three out of every four people who came to them for help because that meant the one person they did help was clearly deserving. Oh, it was so worthy. And what and what made you worthy? There were a lot of different things. One of the biggest things was the kind of sex you had. And so the most worthy trans people were people who, who number one, were going to be straight in the gender that they were living as. Oh, so it was sort of like a, a curative to queerness. Yeah. So they wanted to cure queerness. They did not want to create queerness. That was one big part of it. Masturbation was another huge one. If you admitted to masturbating, then that could be enough to just get you disqualified right there. Oh, my God. If you had sex and enjoyed it, then that could get you disqualified. Kind of the only reason to have sex before surgery and still qualify was if you're a trans woman who is doing it to please your man. Wow, that is so depressingly gendered. Yeah. And so that was, you know, a major part of what was happening at the time. But even now, there's been this push for a diagnostic criteria for essentially the the good trans people who deserve treatment and the bad trans people who don't. And even with the DSM-5, where they changed the wording from gender identity disorder to gender identity dysphoria to make it less stigmatized to say that it's not a disorder, it's a kind of stress. You're experiencing a kind of stress and we can help you with that stress. But at the same time, they also put in a diagnosis called autogynephilia, which is basically the idea that a trans woman has fetishized the idea of womanhood so much that she wants to become a woman. Because it turns her on. Because it turns her on to be seen as a woman. The criteria is essentially the same. Like, if you are attracted to people other than men, then you might be an autogynophile. If you look at yourself and you think you're hot when you're wearing something hot, then that could make you an autogynophile. If you have a traditionally masculine job, that's a part of the diagnostic criteria. What? And if you masturbate while wearing women's underwear, that could make you an autogynophile. There was this fascinating study where someone took the diagnostic criteria for an autogynophile and had a bunch of cis or non-trans women go through that criteria and found that 90% of cis women would count as autogynophile. I mean, I have to say, like, aside from having a traditionally masculine job, I check all the boxes. You just like. So it, again, is this way to kind of, like, regulate trans people's sexuality and specifically like trans women's sexuality there is no trans men equivalent to autogynephilia well because we we fucking expect everyone to worship men anyway (laughs) we expect men to want sex right we expect men to want sex and we want we expect everyone to think masculinity is fucking awesome right 
And so also, like, there's a huge internalized factor where trans people would learn all these rules and know, like, okay, when I go to see the doctor, here are all the things I need to tell them. And also the early trans support groups were designed to help trans people go through these clinics. And so a lot of what the support group did would be to kind of like groom you and prime you to be or at least say that you are what the doctors expect. And so there's this huge like community dynamic where very often trans people will tell each other, oh, you have to do this or have to do that. And very often people will believe it. You know, I've I heard from another trans woman that you're supposed to lose your sex drive completely when you start hormones and that if you don't lose your sex drive completely or if you're afraid of losing your sex drive completely, then that means you're not really a trans woman. You're one of those fetishists and you don't deserve hormones. Wow. Even if it would if it would matter to you that you lost your sex drive completely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. For other women, there may definitely be stigma around being sexual, but we don't necessarily say like, oh, you like sex? You must not be a woman. Exactly. Right. We, we, (laughs) there are punishments, right? But you still get (laughs) to be a woman. Yeah. So I won't ask you to tell me your favorites because it's like picking among (laughs) your children, but are there any one or two that have been sort of like really you've been thinking about a lot about lately or like you're really feeling them at the moment? Yeah. You know, one that I mentioned earlier about the, the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've been feeling that one a lot in part because with the way the world is going, it gets to kind of apocalyptic thinking sometimes. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. And I think like it also was very, you know, meaningful about how to manage small communities that you don't really have a choice about. That you're kind of like, this is your community and you're stuck with it. And there are some transphobes in your community. And what are you going to do? And at what point are you going to decide to go out on your own, even if that might mean a lower chance of survival? Mm. And then also another one that really struck me was accommodations, which it's about orcs in space. And it's kind of interesting that like within this (laughs) wild, fantastical setting, kind of the central element of what the story is about is is dealing with the repercussions of childhood sexual assault the main character is supernaturally strong like in a wildly unbelievable can take down an army of hundreds by herself kind of way and magic regeneration and all kinds of things like that And it's from that position of strength that she is exploring an incredible vulnerability and that she has a guy around who wants to share that with her. And kind of one of the moments in that story that is is most expressive of this is when the guy is kind of like, well, you know, you're not the first woman I've been with who has a history of trauma. Like, we can take things slow. It's okay. And she says, no, you don't understand. If I get triggered, I might rip your spine out before I realized what I've done. (laughs) And it kind of makes it so that, like, even though it is this very vulnerable thing for her, 
it is just as vulnerable, if not more vulnerable for him. And it kind of kind of shifts the balance a little bit. So it's not just the sympathetic, nice guy who's there to help the poor, vulnerable, weak person, but that they're dealing with a difficult situation together. And both of them have something on the line. I love that. I love the transformative vision in that one. And I feel like I should say, just for listeners know, like, they're not all sci-fi. It's just some <laughs> of them are. You happen to mention two that are. I do like the speculative fiction ones quite a bit. It's about one third of the book. So with 30 stories, about 10 of them are sci-fi or fantasy or something like that. I think that's a great story to sort of transition to this last question, which is, so this is your present tense new trans erotic. I want you to maybe imagine 10 years into the future, if you are deciding to do a new edition with all new stories mm-hmm. of nerve endings, what do you think and or hope you can answer both or <laughs> one or the other of those questions will be new then about the trans erotic? You know, what I would absolutely love to see is kind of more of of the same values and goals that I'm putting into this, but different focus from what people are writing about. I kind of took notes on what were some of the common themes, not just of the stories in the book, but all the submissions. And some of the most common themes that came up were paralyzing anxiety about relationships, dealing with abuse and trauma, and heavy use of alcohol. And noticing that was kind of an eye-opening moment of like, wow, this is really a big part of what's going on in our community right now. And like, wanting to balance a little bit how I represented those different things. So like, for example, I actually did go back and ask some folks to edit down the heavy use of alcohol because I didn't want to have like every fourth story about someone getting blackout drunk or needing to use drugs before they would be able to have the confidence to approach a sexual situation. But In looking at those major themes, I would love to see our community be in a different place where the major themes could be completely different and not just have them all be positive. I'd love to see more positive themes going on, but even for the negative difficult ones, I would love to see our community in a different place where we're not having to deal with those specific things quite as much. Mm. So say we all. (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank you so much for coming on the show toby hill meyer where's the best place for folks to get the book yeah so the publisher is instar books it's i-n-s-t-a-r books.com and ordering it straight from the publisher is always the best option it's also on amazon if that's easier for folks but it works out to be about the same price and ordering it from the publisher can be really helpful. Uh-huh. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes at JacquelineFriedman.com slash unscrewed, also directly to the publisher. You have an event coming up for the book too, right? Yeah. So we're going to be doing another reading here in Seattle, and it's going to be May 23rd at Elliott Bay Books. 
excellent. So if you're in the neighborhood, you should definitely go to that. Or if you have friends in Seattle, you should spread the word. And where can people follow you online? What else are, are you up to that people should look forward to? You know, I have kind of let most of my social media languish. I do have the intention of having my Patreon become a place where people can, like, get a monthly update about some of the work I'm doing. So people could potentially go to my Patreon, which is doing it online. And because it's listed as adult, you can't actually pull it up in a search engine. You have to go straight to uh, patreon.com slash doing it online. And another great thing is, is my day job right now. I'm working as the communications director for Gay City, uh, Seattle's LGBTQ center. And honestly, a majority of the work I'm doing is through Gay City right now. May is Trans Arts Month, and I helped make sure that we have a very full docket of at least half a dozen events throughout May. My reading is one of them. And so if you keep an eye out at Gay City, that's a great place to see a lot of the stuff that I'm working on. Awesome. Excellent. And you can find me, as always, on Twitter and Facebook at Jacqueline F, J-A-C-L-Y-N-F as in Friedman, if you want to follow my non-political travels and eatings, which is mostly what I have at Instagram. You can follow me there at Jacqueline Effable. You can also go to my website, JacquelineFriedman.com, to keep up on my writing and events and all of that stuff. And soon, pretty soon, there'll be a link to pre-order my new book, which is also called Unscrewed. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can subscribe anywhere podcasts are available, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher. While you're in there, give us five stars. Give us a couple sentences of review. It makes such a difference in helping other folks find the show. If you like Unscrewed, if you want us to grow, that's what to do. Also, just tell your friends. You should listen to this. I like that too. This show is produced and edited by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman. Our in and out music is by the Pink Tiles and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was developed in collaboration with the establishment who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.